0: Here we'll both we'll we'll both say three two one and then we'll clap. Okay. You you start it though.
1: Three three two, two one one clap. All right. Whatever.
0: Good enough. You'll figure it out.
1: So many, so
0: many, so many damn books.
1: Hello out there in podcast land. Welcome to so many damn books. A blessing, a curse. Podcast. My name is Christopher, and joining me in the Zoom Dam Library Hyperspace Zone Committee, it's a ghost 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 castle. uh, Is Drew? Hello, former co-host, erstwhile co-host, journeyman podcaster, and
0: I've been traveling the world, and I have stories to come back with.
1: Yeah, and please don't do that <laughs> accent for the whole time if i can ask
0: could you even imagine
1: <laughs> welcome back
0: drew how's it feel thanks buddy it's uh, a pleasure as always to see your face to hear your
1: voice to speak with you of books it's so good to have you back on the show doing what we do best indeed there's a lot to catch up on are you drinking anything special
0: Uh, I made um, a reverse Vesper because I went to my bar and realized that I didn't have enough gin.
1: Was the Vesper made up for Casino Royale or was yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe the drink
0: existed before that, but every um, version of it since has been wiped from memory. It is, it's supposed to be three parts gin, one part vodka, half a part sweet ish vermouth, shaken very well. Uh, served with a lemon twist shaken shaken not stirred Uh oh that's Uh where oh yeah
1: okay and so what is a reverse vest
0: um i just i only had one part gin and so i did three parts vodka to one part gin
1: oh okay and how's it drinking
0: uh it's not as much fun as the other way around The other way way around, you really get, like, all of the gin notes. Yeah, the botanicals and everything. This is sort of a, like, hey, do you want some vodka and a little (laughs) bit of gin?
1: Well, that sounds nice. I'm drinking a straight-up classic martini um, using St. George terroir gin. Do you know St. George? No. Lovely um, bottles. I feel like you would recognize them if you saw them because they're very distinctive and they're pretty well-carried. The the note that I get out of this, and maybe it's just because they say so on the bottle, I don't know, but it's Douglas Fir. It's got that scent. It's got that like Christmas feel to it. And uh, you know, as as a lover of the season all year round, it's a fantastic gin. <laughs> and it's really nice actually with an onion um, instead of an olive. Nice. I've been really into the classic martini recently. I've been like cra- craving them.
0: Okay. So this is straight up a recommendation. It was already going to be a recommendation for you, but isolation proof, this distillery, sort of up near me, their regular gin is great, but they do a seasonal gin every season. So they do like a spring, summer, fall, winter gin. The winter gin this year, the botanicals are juniper, coriander, cassia bark, angelica root, licorice root, orange peel, wild apples, pears, Assam black tea, and mm. raw honey. Ooh. It's
1: the best gin I've ever had. Seems like and, like almost like a sipping gin. Like, yes. Like almost like cognac or something.
0: It's so good. And like their summer gin had pink peppercorns and rhubarb. Like it either plays havoc with a bartender or opens up new doors. You know what I mean? I feel like you're either like, oh man, I have to make up all new recipes when I get this gin or... Oh, I'm so excited to make up all new recipes with this gin.
1: That sounds so good. Yeah, I need to find isolation-proof gin.
0: Yeah. Um. Listen, okay. I'll look around. I can hook it. They have a mushroom gin that's like distilled from mushrooms. That sounds nice. It's
1: weird up here in the woods, my man. (laughs) A mushroom. See, I love all things mushroom. I'm I'm obsessed with.
0: Do you really?
1: Yeah, I've known you
0: for a long time and I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm I always want to get the mushroom dish if there's one on on the menu that's featuring it, a mushroom pasta. And I, you know, the idea of going and collecting mushrooms is one of those exciting and also terrifying prospects. When you look at one of these uh, mycology guides, is that the right? Uh Yeah, they're like this one with circles and. Brown spots (laughs) is poisonous, but this one with brown circles and light brown spots is delicious. So, and I just, I'm not interested in taking my life into my own hands that way.
0: It makes you appreciate the like highlights magazine training that we all got when we were kids of the like spot the difference between these two (laughs) pictures, like, and that all of us got so good at that and that Mm -hmm. particular thing. I feel like maybe that's why. One of the best-selling books at the Golden Notebook last year was the, like, Mushrooms of the Hudson Valley Foraging Guide.
1: See, I Uh, thought you were going to talk about what we learned from the timbertoes about being a family (laughs) made out of wood.
0: (laughs) Very different relationship to mushrooms, I guess.
1: Yeah, very. I I feel like there must have been a timbertoes strip that dealt with growing (laughs) mushrooms upon their limbs. Maybe not. Maybe that's too much body horror for high Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah, I was going to (laughs) say...
1: Should we talk about books we bought? Certainly. Go ahead.
0: So I just came from a live event at the bookstore with local ish author Leah Conan, who writes thrillers that are set up here in the Hudson Valley. And her latest, um, You Should Have Told Me. I finally picked up a copy of that. I had like a digital galley Mm -mm. and it's, it's just fun to have books in the library that are set where you live. Oh yeah. There's something about that. Um, But as I was talking with her at the end, inspired frankly by this show, I always ask folks at the end of our live events, what are you reading or what do you want to recommend? Like tell me what the other book that you want somebody to pick up is when they come get your book. And she mentioned, something that I went back to the store and immediately put a copy on hold for me once it comes out next week. um, Or by the time you're hearing this last week or this week or Mm -hmm. time doesn't matter. The writing retreat by Julia Bartz.
1: Yeah. I just got Um, a copy of that.
0: Nice. It looks, it looks so fun. Her sister, Andrea also spends some time up here in the Hudson Valley and writes thrillers. Um,
1: the family thriller,
0: yeah. Hmm. Uh, uh, but so I'm. I'm What's really. Thanksgiving
1: so... like at that house. It's murder. <laughs> <laughs> um... You were saying something earlier, off mic, about how thriller titles are a little difficult these days, and I completely agree <laughs> that like it is becoming. Harder to remember thriller titles because they're always like the couple next door, the couple Mm -hmm. between us, the couple across the street, (laughs) through the window, across the street.
0: It's just any phrase that you might say to someone that could be turned menacing is or will soon be a thriller title. Yeah. Hey, honey, look at that thriller title. The owl in the tree outside thriller (laughs) title.
1: It's the book equivalent of using a really slowed down pop song
0: <laughs> in the in trailer, a movie yeah. trailer. You know exactly what you're going to get. Yeah. There's something reassuring about that. You don't even need to know the title as long as you know the author. If you don't know the exact title, but you're like, it's this author that I'm speaking to you all now as a bookseller. When you walk into your local bookstore and are like, ah you know, it's a thriller, The th- if you can tell the name of the writer, or even something close to the name of the writer, they'll be like, oh! And then they will say several phrases at you. <laughs> One of those phrases will be the book that you're looking for and not a threat on your life.
1: Yeah, I feel like we need to bring some more wild naming conventions <laughs> to the thriller. Because it's it's... It's beyond a parody at this point. All right. Did you have you what have you bought? Well, I went down the rabbit hole. I was reading um this really interesting book called Gossip from the Forest by Sarah Maitland. And it's a nonfiction book about going into the German forests where like the grim fairy tale stories were set and written Ooh. and sort of like seeing how fairy tales and folktales are tied to that land and that area and why. Cool. Very cool stuff. And then I I was looking her up and she has all of these short story collections that seem in their descriptions to sound like Kelly Link or Amy Bender or even like Angela Carter sort of fabulous short stories, like very cool twisty premises. And so I got a book that's long out of print called A Book of Spells. Ooh. And then I've been seeing this book around on book talk, actually. This book, Cursed Bread, by Sophie McIntosh. She wrote The Water Cure, a book that yes. I wasn't didn't quite connect with me, but this one is based on a real unsolved mystery of a mass poisoning of a French village in 1951. Whoa. But it seems like it's all about like the baker's wife and an affair and first Bread. Great. And it's also like a really slim little, like, it seems like it's one of these, like, not for, not here for a long time, here for a good time, packs a punch (laughs) type of book. Oh, man. I wish I worked at
0: a bookstore that was cool enough to turn that into our, like, here's our short books you can read in a day. (laughs) (laughs) Not here for a long time, here for a good time.
1: (laughs) So, (laughs) I've got those. And then, I also I pre-ordered this book. So Jeff Rickley, the lead singer of Thursday, uh-huh. he uh, who always had great lyrics, by the yeah. way, yeah, is releasing a his debut novel, and I pre-ordered that. It's called um, "Someone Who Isn't Me," and it's on his on Chelsea Hodson's independent press. Rose books that she's just starting. It's their lead title. And I think it's so cool to kind of be a, you know, be a Thursday still has millions of listeners and everything. Like, I feel like he could have gone to a big publisher if he'd wanted. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of cool to be the the lead title on an independent press. I'm making a lot of that cover is great too. So, and all of the early notes on the book are- really stellar so i'm really excited to check it out oh that's this looks great we are heading into march (laughs) (laughs) chickens don't clap (laughs) the tournament of books coming up around the corner You've read a lot of the books, haven't you?
0: I have, and also I have a, like a um, a notable stack of them on my TBR that I just keep deciding to read like witchy romance novels instead. Okay, <laughs> and I don't, I don't want that to reflect on the quality of those books because I think at least two of them are like definite contenders for the for the title. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much more about sort of my truth at this moment which is i guess witchy romance right but anyway um i don't know do you know how many you've read i need to do the math
1: i think i've read probably eight or nine which is more than the last couple years it's a really good list this year yeah i I thought it was a a fun list and Already it's got one of these titles that I would have never read if it hadn't been included in the tournament because I just it just wasn't even on my radar for some reason. But that book, The Violin Conspiracy by Brendan Slocum. Yeah. Such a if you like it it feels sort of like Bel Canto and Patchett, like if you that book used thriller stuff to tell an opera story. Mm-hmm. And this book uses thriller stuff to tell a violin story, and it's just a fun like you do feel like you're really learn something about what it's like to play the violin as well as having this very fun mystery of it's wild to learn where the violin went
0: that he's like a concert violinist right this is his world yeah and it does once I didn't know that when I started reading it and I got to the end of it feeling that like damn, I really feel like I know some stuff about the violin. And his afterward was like, as a concert violinist, all of this is stuff that's happened to me other than the Stradivarius getting stolen. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. like It changes it a little bit in a way where you're like, damn, this is really what it looks like.
1: That book totally moved me. I was very involved in it. Mm-hmm. And, it and it also is one of these great books that has like, Real violin pieces highlighted, so you can go and listen to them and listen to like, oh my god, that's what he's playing. Like it's <laughs> it's always these wild pieces. You said that to me,
0: um, because you read it before I did, I think. But you cited uh, Rika Aoki's Light from Uncommon Stars as a book that I had said to you that you should read, and similarly, you were like, I looked up the things that the that they were playing, and that that elevated it
1: i think i still think that's a very cool thing to do oh yeah i you know making your own illuminated text just seems Mm -hmm. like something to do especially if they're really because sometimes they reference something and it doesn't exist at all i read a novel that was all about a painting all about a painting that didn't exist and it was almost frustrating because you wanted to, like, get into the details that these characters were getting into. I just finished
0: uh, Lydia Sandgren's Collected Works that's out from Astor House. It House. It's apparently, like, a big smash hit in Sweden. Uh, and it just got translated for the U.S. And similarly, there's a British author named William Wallace who's, like, talked about as a, like, lost Hemingway. So convincingly, that I was halfway through this 600 page book, and I was like, I'm gonna look this guy up. And the only William <laughs> Wallace I know is the Braveheart guy, fucking fake. And I had, I like, I understood for a brief moment why you got so mad at a book like Sudden Death, where it just is like convincing you
1: that this is the real world. Oh, so, and- mu- so much history presented as though it's history. <laughs> And it ain't it's fine I don't I don't
0: William Wallace isn't real
1: <laughs> I don't I don't mind making up stuff because I actually think it's one of the absolute best things to do right um, I really love when there's art pieces that you're just describing and it's not a real thing I, I do think that that is can be really satisfying. It's something about though when you're really basing the entire book around someone like that mm-hmm. that's where it gets a little shaky for me of just like shoot, like I really want to be able to. To connect to them like these characters are
0: yeah oh man you should cut this out because it's starting to go far afield there's this book it's a horror book and i know you don't love that Mm. but it's called it rides a pale horse by this guy andy marino okay where it's it ends up being kind of a cosmic horror thing but like about art Mm -hmm. and it includes a character who's got some weird talent of folding like unknowable eldritch things into paintings and the way that she like gets that out of her system is by copying famous paintings but like having one little weird thing and it is such a fun like Edward Hopper you're like talking about the diner and the thing and then like you can feel the narrative focus center in on like a thing that you can't describe and it's exactly that thing you I like I knew there was somebody who needed to read this book and it's you.
1: <laughs>
0: so add that to your side list. Yeah,
1: that sounds good. There is a book on the tournament of books list that makes me feel like a hypocrite for what I just said though because Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin none uh-huh. of those video games exist or and I don't Break. I wasn't like mad that they didn't exist. Yeah. So I don't know what it is like why there are some books that make you sort of really want that thing and other ones that it's just like, I want that, but I don't, I'm not mad. I, I, that I got sort of bamboozled.
0: Do you think it has something to do with how those things interact with the story?
1: I guess like, so. I mean, it's gotta be.
0: Something like tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, the the games themselves, even in that sort of like Brevura later section where you're in a game The games don't matter. Like, the only game that matters is Oregon Trail, really. Right. In that entire book. And that's a real thing. And, like, whereas something like Sudden Death, it's, like, trying to... It's talking about it as though, like, this historical thing is real. And it matters. Like, it has
1: real-world ramifications if that's not true. Also because... There is very little plot to speak of in those. Yeah, that's true. But then again, I think of something like Benjamin Labutat's book, uh, When We Cease to Understand the World, which is like wending Mm -hmm. in that I didn't mind it as much. And I think that yeah might be just because those experiments are quite different. Right. I can't discount my own mood in all of this because I could have been reading Sudden Death in a truly horrible mood that... (laughs) Because, you know, I, 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 I can't really imagine, like, a book making me that mad as that book did to this day.
0: Do you think that that is by virtue, not in a bad way, but by virtue of us getting older and sort of, like, feeling, by that I mean, like, the fires are cooling just a little bit. Like, we don't always feel like we have to have, like, a feeling about something. Or is it truly, like, flip the script and... If you had read The Violin Conspiracy at 26, you would have hated it. And if you'd read Sudden Death for the first time at 36, you might love it.
1: You know what I mean? I think it's that I learned that I I don't need to I don't need to be in on the experiment.
0: Mm. That I can
1: let some experiments be like that's interesting. C- cool thing to cool Good thing to be fucking trying.
0: Fucking phrase. Damn. Yeah.
1: But I don't need to be part of it. Yeah. For a long time while I was like studying fiction, when I was getting my MFA, I really wanted to see like, what else can you do? What are the, how do you, can you pull this apart? What are the threads that you can pull out and make something completely your own? But I always ended up coming back to a pretty traditional structured novel Mm -hmm. as being what I wanted, what I wanted to make and what I wanted to sort of imbibe over and over. And yeah, I still like experiments, but I think I'm much better than I used to be at picking the ones that are actually going to be satisfying.
0: Yeah, that's a it's a nice place to be. Just like more aware of one's thing. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, nine years on, I feel like we should be at, at the level of reading that we've been doing. <laughs> I know. I feel like we should be, be much better. I feel, and I do feel like I'm better at choosing choosing things, even though I still end up in these ruts where I'm just like, boy, I can't seem to. Get a good book off these shelves
0: yeah i increasingly too i mean i think that some of that is by virtue of the fact that we both read as much as we do that inevitably the standard is higher Mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not a book that we dislike actually like it's also about our mood but like the standard is higher there's just if there's 200 books on your tbr and at least 10 of them were interesting to you when you pulled book zero off of the shelf like that book's gotta deliver
1: in order for you not to be like
0: okay on to the next
1: but yeah I so also... I, mean, I see the other side too of like the people that read only like 12 books a year mm-hmm. man do does those those 12 books have to really cook yeah good
0: isn't that the truth
1: yeah i i'm always trying to analyze that when i'm thinking of a recommendation Mm -hmm. Where it's just like, am I recommending something to someone who is reading 60 books this year, and this can just be one of them? Or am I recommending, like, one of the four books they're going to read this year? In which case, like, maybe not that one.
0: Yeah. (laughs) My, uh, Danny's grandparents, for Christmas every year, her grandmother gets her grandfather. She goes to Vromans in Pasadena and gets the, like top 12 books of the last year Oh, and there's, there's a little bit of like her grandfather loves like Jack Reacher thrillers and stuff so like they know to skew it a little bit but basically it's like what were the 12 best books and those are the 12 books that he'll read this year like that's that isn't that is a way that a lot of people do it yeah <laughs>
1: back on tournament in the books yeah i want i want your i want your prediction of what you want to win versus what you think will win this is one of the few years that i don't feel bad about
0: the thing that i think will win i'm like and if that won i'd be i think tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow is gonna win um and i love that book like absolutely but i think i i did as i often do I'm looking around just in case it's still here and hasn't been used as kindling in the fireplace. I, like, print the bracket the day it comes out and mm-hmm. just do a truly a, like, this book, this book, this book, even though I haven't necessarily even read some things. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that the Violin Conspiracy and Manhunt are going up against each other in the first round, I'm like,
1: oh, fuck. Right. Gosh, that really, uh, that really... That's tough.
0: That's a different it's a movie. weird it's a weird matchup but like I it, my first draft bracket had manhunt and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow going up against each other for like very different reasons mm-hmm. and I I was like this is either a 12 and one or a 13 and three match or whatever it's a very um lopsided matchup or it is an absolute nail biter like right. It either, and I, uh, reading the, um, the discord, my, my belief that Manhunt can go all the way has taken a hit. Cause there are a lot of people who are just like, what, why? Yeah. Um, but I think if it's the right group of readers, it's like that book has a, has a snap to it that I could see it I could see it making some waves, I guess. I no longer think it's like a possible Cinderella story, but I do think I could see it making some waves.
1: Yeah. What about you? I see, I also see that it's sort of tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow's field to lose. It's just such a good story about artists and friendship. And it's such a sort of epic scope, but it's still kept pretty small. I just think there's so much cool stuff on display in it. Um, but I think that Mercury Pictures Presents by Anthony Mara has an outside chance. It's, mm-hmm. um, It was a really satisfying read. And then I think the dark horse to me is Sea of Tranquility just because yeah. it is sort of it's kind of the David Mitchell sort of entry of the year. Mm-hmm. It feels like the bone clocks. It feels like you know cloud atlas they really the this is a tournament that likes those sort of like huge scopes yeah and that that, that sea of tranquility has a really nice and it's still like this breezy compact like packs a punch mm-hmm. it is not you know a 700 page book that you know ties together so many things like she did that in such you know yeah with such brevity that I feel like that that really is the is the one that I'm like that's the one to watch, and if it goes out, I see it coming back as a zombie. I think so too. Man,
0: it's funny to think about that book in particular on this bracket because I read that book in late 2021. Yeah, and yeah. I loved it. Like I, it's it, but it was one of like by the time writing my list for last year came around. I had to be reminded that that was a book that came out in 2022.
1: It's just, phew, time is weird. That book is one of these Brooklyn moments, like only in New York, where I was walking to a party, listening to the audiobook, took the audio book out, put it in, said hello to people, and it's like, oh, this is my friend Emily. It's like, neat. <laughs> 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 I'm enjoying your book right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's a, that's the, a really only in New York Brooklyn type of thing
0: and the perfect author for that to happen too like the perfect author
1: book moment continuum yeah yeah it was very much like I'm in the the right confluence of the multiverse at the moment
0: <laughs> yeah I'm looking now at the bracket to see if I if there's anything I'm excited to read the rabbit hutch uh only because Danny read it and she was like yo this book is way weirder than the copy says and when Danny says that to me I'm like
1: oh so it's going to be weird I am um, very excited to read babel I haven't <laughs> yet and mm-hmm. I'm really curious about it and there's sort of a weird, um, in the in the Discord, which I so protested about getting onto Discord for Same. so long, it just seemed like I need to learn another one of these. But it is actually pretty fun, and there's a lot of, you know, different sorts of Discord communities, but the, and the Tournament of Books is one of them that I really like to check in on. They love Notes on Your Sudden Disappearance. Yeah, I have not read yet. Which I, I haven't read it either, and that's the one where I'm like, I need to probably get to that one soon because everyone who's reading that's like, oh, this is great. I wonder so. too, just like from what I have heard about that book
0: and what I have heard about Seven Moons of Molly Almeida, uh, which I've read like the first ten pages of and just decided I needed to read Witchy Romances. Um, like I could see that being at least a first round upset where the larger world will be like what happened and there'll be in the commentary there'll be like you know eight people who are like we knew it we were talking about this on the discord you
1: know yeah well it's going to be an interesting year i'm Indeed. excited to see it all play out march 1st and uh march 8th it's starting late this year march 8th
0: cuz you know i get it that like having the final on the last day of march is kind of fun
1: there's a lot of um There's a lot of time to still read, get to a few of these titles. Basically an extra week. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, do you have any solid Drew-approved recommendations? Yes. Of these witchy romances that you've been reading, perhaps?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. I have a handful of recommendations. The witchy romances... Are uh, the Witches of Thistle Grove series by Lana Harper. Um Lana, when she was a literary agent, was one of the first people who uh didn't outright reject my pretty mediocre first manuscript. Um and in fact, like sent like did a full request and sent some nice notes back. And I didn't realize um When I picked this up, I just was like, I had been hearing a lot about it. My sister got it for me for Christmas at the Ripped Bodice in Los Angeles because I told her, like, go to your local nationally renowned romance bookstore. Get me something. I want something with witches, baby, or swords. I don't know. I'm new to this. And this was the book that came back. It's called Paybacks a Witch is Mm. the first one, which like, so good. Uh, I I immediately read the next two. The fourth one comes out in August. There, It's just like a little bit of Bradbury, a little bit of practical magic written by like a millennial. It's just, mm-hmm. it's so good. The sex scenes are great. The magic is great. It, they're funny. There are great cocktails in every single book. It, you just like, I just want to live in that world in a in a way that i haven't in a long time of like a magic series mm-hmm. um the other things i will recommend we mentioned david mitchell earlier mariana Enriquez's our share of night which just came out translated by megan mcdowell it's huge it's enormous if you only know her from her short stories it's still the same dark weird world but gone to full david mitchell scope it's like it starts with a father and son the wife mother has died they're going to her family's place for some weird ritual and it goes from like these two men in this car and some like in the 1980s in Argentina, it jumps to London at the end of the sixties. There's a great David Bowie cameo. There's like big scale cosmic horror kinds of things of like a house that is haunted by some weird poltergeists and a cult that worships a guy with big golden claws, but also that like Mitchelian heart. Yes. It's so, so good. Um, and then the last thing I'll recommend is a song. Okay. And this this recommendation is going right to you, my guy. Um the song is called New Moon Voodoo and the artist is Strange Weather. Okay. I know about this guy and his project because of following Catherine Lacey on Instagram and like being like, Oh, I like your music taste. So anything she'd post, I'd be like, Yeah, I'll listen to this. Um This guy's like doing a sort of like multi instrumentalist pop thing. And I've liked a lot of the songs. This new tune is apparently, quote unquote, introducing the protagonist of the new record that Mm. has some like tarot y elements to it. The song is so unbelievably groovy that you get to (laughs) the end of it and you're just like, fuck, that was a good song. In that, like, you immediately have to listen to it 10 times. And very much in the Christopher Hermelin-approved, like, pop multi-instrumentalist, groovy way. All right. And I'm if ac- you hate it, I don't want
1: to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to check this out. <laughs> I'm excited to check that out for sure. What do you got? Okay, well, keeping in music, um, I, I, I don't even know how this came across. I think it's just Spotify radio. Coming off of listening to the Matilda soundtrack, you know, always (laughs) and still, Um, finishing and then starting into like their like random Broadway shuffle. Uh This guy has this, is writing a musical based on the Troy saga called Epic, the musical. And he's releasing them in um, sort of movements. It's by this guy, um, Jorge Rivera and he's releasing them in in sections so the first one was the troy saga the next one is the cyclops saga and i don't know what the third one will be but you can tell where it's going uh and these songs it's so funny they are just like such a grab bag of all current modern musicals um but in a really satisfying way where you're like oh that's a cool little riff on hamilton oh that's a neat little you know he's just grabbing the little things from everywhere you can tell he loves musicals and um you know start maybe with the one that randomly came up on called just a man if Great. you want um or or open arms actually which open arms is like a friendship two two guys like talking about how to approach the world um and it's really fun and and uh, feel that one feels sort of like the beetlejuice musical uh uh-huh. in some ways <laughs> It seems like it's going to be a fun show. I don't know. I can totally picture it, which is kind of the magic of this type of music. Yeah. And and sort of the fun thing about listening to, to soundtracks that don't have a show that exists yet, um, which is a world that I'm just, like, sort of skimming the surface of, but I really, really like. So Epic the Musical. Check that out. And then I just love the Rebecca Mackay. Everybody, it's, it's, a, it's hugely hyped. I don't, you know, I'm just adding to the chorus on on it but um i have some questions for you is about a classic film podcaster going back to her hometown or not her hometown but going back to her um old private high school Mm -hmm. to teach a podcast class and it just so happens to be also the site of the murder of her roommate um while she was there and she's sort of dealing with that um especially because one of the podcast students wants to make a podcast about that murder. Really, really fun book. I mean, it's just so juicy and she, I guess juices it, you know, she really uses that juicer (laughs) on that premise and gets everything out of it that you possibly could really. I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a really, really good, you know, she really gets into the, to the, um, she really gets into the weeds with it in a great way. Like in a way that you're glad that she went there. I'm so glad to hear. We were texting about it when
0: you started reading it. And I was like, ah, man, it's great. Let me know what you think. Yeah. It was, and it was, was just so did.
1: satisfying. Another satisfying thing is supporting so many damn books on Patreon. Patreon.com SMDB. I have an idea of what I want to send to the $10 patrons that I am just sort of putting the finishing touches on my concept, and I'm hoping that it works out. Nice. So if you want to get on that realm, they're just little things that I send to those people who feel so compelled to shoot a couple dollars my way. Um, and I also like to put I put the episodes on there ad-free, as well as some extra cut-for-time because I sounded stupid or something (laughs) uh, stuff up on the Patreon that I never put anywhere else, so it's never been a better there's never been a better time to support Patreon I mean, support the show (laughs) whatever go and do it it's nice you
0: really should, it'll make you feel nice you'll get to tell Christopher the next time you see him that you've done it
1: and that'll make him feel nice you can also, if you don't feel like doing that You could also leave a review of the show. There hasn't been a review of the show posted yet this year. So you could be the cool first 2023 person to do it. Hell yeah. Don't you want to be cool and have those types of bragging rights? Okay. I'm done shilling. Do you have anything you want to um, plug, Drew? I I want to plug for you that you do these great um, author talks on their release days through the Golden Notebook. So if you follow the Golden Notebook on socials, you'll get the announcements for when you're doing your talks with people.
0: Yeah, that um, that has been fun. I got the green light to do it just with, with people. I was getting like publicist outreach from things that I knew these authors were never going to come through the Hudson Valley. And I was like, but I know how to talk to people on a microphone, so um, but thanks, man. Those are fun. No, I don't have anything else. It's uh, all my plugs go to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks for coming by, Drew. This was Thanks, been buddy. great. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Bye. Bye.